The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. <laughs> okay, very good. Thank you, Lydia. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Nice to see you all again. There seems to be a lot of familiar faces, right? Which is actually very nice because uh, the Dhamma is such that when you keep on practicing over a long period of time, year after year, that's when it starts to give benefits. So it's actually very nice to see people coming back. You're not too scared of me, which is good. Yeah, I may look a bit scary, but you know, it's, uh, usually it's all right. Uh, so it's great. So is this, this is everyone, is it? Everyone is pretty much here? Yeah, okay. Okay, excellent. Very good. So, uh, um, I, we are, I, first of all, what I noticed is kind of interesting. If you look at the program, it says 8 a.m. You have sitting mediation. Have you seen that? It starts, oh, the day starts over sitting mediation. <laughs> that is all the argument we had the day before. We're going to kind of sort them out. Oops, too, too loud, is it? Too loud? Okay. Too loud. But it was okay. It was okay. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, I think I think we know what it's supposed to mean. But anyway, there you there you are. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start off today just by giving you some general guidance. Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about the idea of a, a sutta and meditation retreat, what the purpose of it is. Uh, then I'm going to give some basic guidance on meditation practice. Uh, and this will be the main guidance on meditation that I give, uh, and the rest of it will be, uh, maybe we'll have some uh, guided meditation. Is guided meditation part of the program, Lydia? Or is it kind of, uh, yeah? So we may have that in the evening at some point. Uh, yeah, so unless that is considered. Is that considered okay? Yeah, okay, okay, so we'll do that then. Okay, good. And uh, so that will be then the uh, kind of follow-up meditation guidance, just through the guided meditation practice. Uh, and then we will do the suttas uh, uh, during the uh, Dhamma talk sessions. Uh. So the idea with this kind of meditation retreat is to, instead of uh, giving Dhamma talks, you know, just that kind of ordinary Dhamma talks, uh, the idea is to try to follow the word of the Buddha. Uh, this is kind of the purpose behind this. Uh. And the reason for that is because uh, uh, in Buddhism uh, there is kind of one standard, one gold standard that everything really comes back to. Uh, whenever you hear a Dhamma talk, whenever you hear anybody t teaching about Dhamma, it should really come back to the word of the Buddha. That is the foundation for everything else. Uh, if it weren't for the Buddha, there wouldn't be anything. Yeah, There would be no Buddhism in the world, there would be no Mahayana Buddhism, there would be no Theravada Buddhism, no Vajrayana Buddhism, there would be no Ajahn Nisarno, there would be no Ajahn Brahmali, nothing like that. everything would just fall apart. So we kind of assume, as one of the foundations of Buddhism, we assume that the Buddha knew what he was talking about. If the Buddha didn't know what he was talking about, we have a serious problem. Yeah, so we assume that, and that is why it is so nice to go back to the Buddha's teachings. Uh, and what is very useful is this idea of combining meditation practice with uh, listening to the suttas, uh, because when you meditate, your mind becomes a bit more peaceful. Yeah, that's the idea anyway. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Reality sometimes confounds everything, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, so usually people get a bit more peaceful during meditation practice. Sometimes a lot more peaceful, sometimes really, really super duper peaceful. So we'll see how, see how things happen. Uh, and then when you are really 
nice and relaxed and at ease and you're really enjoying yourself, then when you hear the suttas, uh, they tend to st have a, a, a deeper effect on you. You start to understand them in a new way. Uh, why? Because your mind is clear. Uh, your mind doesn't have any kind of distortions to it, yeah, the distortions of hindrances and these kind of things, uh, and it goes in deeper. Uh, and when the teachings go in deeper, uh, it actually means that you tend to also become more peaceful again. Because these teachings, uh, one of the main points of them is that they allow you to let go. Let go of the world, let go of uh, all the doing, of all the willpower, and these kind of things. Uh, and when you let go, then uh, you become more peaceful. You come back to your meditation, your meditation goes better. Then you come back to the suttas. Uh, and you can see how this builds upon each other, the suttas uh, and the meditation, one building upon the other, the other building upon the one, and then uh, gradually moving in the right direction. Uh. So this is the idea behind this. Of course, the idea is one thing, reality is often slightly different, uh, but uh, it is nevertheless, it tends to work at least to uh, some extent. Uh. And I would uh, like to second what Lydia was saying. I think it's a good idea to keep silent if you can during these days uh, you don't have to it's really up to you you can you know if you want to when you go back home in the evening if you want to chat with people or whatever it's really up to you but usually you get more out of a retreat if you keep at least reasonably silent uh, it is amazing how the when we talk a lot uh, then it also tends to activate the mind it leaves an echo usually uh, it takes a lot of mindfulness if you're going to talk uh, not have any kind of echo in the mind afterwards. You have to have really super-duper mindfulness. And most people don't have that. Uh, so to aid yourself a little bit, uh, it's a good idea to keep reasonably silent. Uh. And if you do wish to take the eight precepts, I heard some people might want to take the eight precepts, please uh, uh, come up maybe afterwards. Yeah, maybe we can do that towards the very end. Uh, with those people who want to do that, uh, please come up. You don't actually have to take them formally. You can just take them in your mind. That's usually good enough. Uh, but if you think it's helpful to take them properly, and I'm very happy to, uh, to give those precepts afterwards. So please come up at the end of the session today, about nine o'clock or whenever, uh, whenever we come to an end. Uh, so that is the uh, idea. Yeah, uh, we'll see see how things go as we as we go along. Yeah. So now I'm going to give some basic information on meditation practice, uh, and it's going to be the same kind of information you get every year. Yeah. So if you kind of find it, if you start yawning, I will excuse you because it is the same kind of information you have every year. But I often find that often it is the most basic information, the most basic instructions are often the most important ones. Uh, because really the path of meditation is just so simple. Yeah, all we have to do is to breathe and then watch the breath. Uh, what could be more simple than that? It's a super simple. Uh, so the problem isn't the difficulty of this. The problem is taking it deeper and deeper and deeper over time. That is the hard part. Uh, and for that reason, it's actually very useful, to, I think, to hear the instructions again and again. Because after, after a while, your mind starts to grasp what is going on. Uh, yeah, and over time, hopefully, uh, the meditation deepens uh, as a consequence. Uh, so one of the uh, things that uh, I remember Ajahn Brahm always uh, taught me, Ajahn Brahm is my teacher in Perth, uh, you probably know that already. Is there anyone here who has never heard of Ajahn Brahm before? Uh, that's impossible, isn't it? Uh, yeah, can't, can't happen. So everyone's heard of Ajahn Brahm. Uh, so one of the things that he said to me, I remember, not to me, I think maybe probably to the community, uh, was that uh, one of the problems uh, of meditation practice uh, is that people go to the meditation object too quickly. Uh, 
Yeah, straight away you go to the meditation object. People often sit down, they close their eyes, uh, and they start watching the breath straight away. Huh? And this is in certain meditation systems that uh, they kind of encourage that way of doing things. Uh. But what is very interesting is that Ajahn Brahm said that this is probably not such a good idea. And then when you read the word of the Buddha, and we may come back to this later on, uh, you see this is exactly what the Buddha is teaching in the suttas. Uh, yeah? He says, uh, first of all, there are certain preliminary things uh, that you're supposed to do, or maybe not do, or whatever, however you want to put this. Uh, there are certain things, there are certain establishings, first of all, before you actually go to your meditation object. Uh, and only when you get these things in the right sequence uh, does the meditation work properly. Uh. So very important to get this right. Uh. So, for example, if you go to the Anapanasati Sutta, which is the Sutta on the mindfulness of breathing, uh, the Buddha says, first of all, you establish mindfulness. Uh. Yeah, first of all, you establish mindfulness. Then you start watching the breath. Uh. Yeah, why? Why does the Buddha say this? Uh? Why does this matter so much? Uh? And the reason why it matters so much that if, is that if you are mindful, uh, yeah, what does mindfulness mean? It means that you have a certain presence of mind. It means you have a certain clarity of mind. You don't think very much and you are present to a certain extent. Yeah? And you have to find out for yourself exactly how much that is. But that's the basic idea. And if you have that clarity of mind, if you are in the present moment, it means that when you watch the breath, it's natural. Because you're already there. The breath is kind of already with you because you are in the present moment, which is exactly where the breath is, uh, or you are in the, uh, in the here and now, whatever you want to call it. Uh. So you are already here. So there's no extra willpower. Uh. There's no extra um, effort required to watch the breath. It is an automatic process. You have mindfulness and the breath is there. Uh. But if you haven't got mindfulness, uh, if you are maybe uh, thinking, your mind is all over the place uh, because you've been doing too much, which is natural, been doing a lot, uh, uh, then the only way you're going to be able to watch the breath uh, is by using willpower. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to force your mind to stay with the breath uh, because it doesn't come natural if the mindfulness isn't there. Uh. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, and of course, when you use willpower, uh, what you're doing, first of all, is not really all that comfortable. Uh, yeah, and then when the willpower slackens off a little bit, you lose the breath. Uh, yeah, very fast, uh, and it's not very comfortable. And secondly. Uh, it takes energy. So after a while, you start to feel even more depleted. So if you have been using a lot of willpower during the week and you are tired already, you can be even more tired after a while by trying to forcing your mind onto the breath. It's not really sustainable. Uh, and that is the problem with using too much willpower in your meditation practice. Uh, so a little bit of willpower may be okay yeah, in the beginning just to kind of guide yourself a little bit, uh, but you want really to avoid uh, the willpower as much as you can. Uh. So first, establish mindfulness. Yeah. Anapanasati Sutta, Mindfulness of Breathing Sutta, one of the most important suttas uh, on meditation practice uh, among all the Buddhist teachings. Uh. If you go to the Satipatthana Sutta, it says very much the same thing. Uh. It says that Satipatthana practice, yeah, which is also one of the main teachings on meditation, it says you have to be Satima. Sati is the Pali word for mindfulness. Uh, so you have to be mindful to be able to do uh, satipatthana practice. Yeah? Mindfulness is, has to be established first, uh, and then it becomes possible to 
uh, watch the breath or even to do metta practice or death contemplation or whatever else it, that you like to do all of that comes from that particular foundation here so this is very interesting so what does this mean in practice sir? yeah what does this actually how do we actually do this how do we establish this mindfulness sir? and uh, what it really means is that uh, initially you have just to be very patient with yourself yeah you just have to basically sit there and just relax and enjoy the meditation enjoy not the meditation really enjoy just being peaceful and as you relax and you don't do anything you just stay as best as you can in the present moment allowing things to be it's as if the energy of the mind yeah and the presence of mind gradually just comes back again and as it comes back the mindfulness builds up uh, and then meditation eventually becomes possible but you have to get rid of two things uh, the restlessness of the mind which then dies down when you just wait uh, and the tiredness of the mind which also tends to dissipate over time as you allow that uh, uh, you allow the mind just to relax and to be here so how can we do this yeah it's very easy to say just relax and people say oh, okay relax 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 yeah okay Whoa, really relax and of course by telling yourself too much you're going to relax uh, actually you're not really relaxing at all you're just trying trying too hard to relax uh, and it doesn't really work out uh, so one way of thinking about the idea of relaxation which i have found is sometimes quite useful uh, is uh, so that you don't try to do the relaxation which very often happens yeah uh, you do the relaxation actually not really relaxing at all the idea is to be passive yeah just to be aware just to be in the present moment uh, so one way of thinking about that is to think about what happens when you come back from a long day at work uh, yeah you are kind of exhausted you've been trying really hard uh, you've been forcing your mind onto the things that you have to do and if you're really exhausted uh, what do you do and what you do is you feel tired maybe you sit down in a nice armchair yeah or a nice place some of you have got nice armchairs at the back there which is great so you sit down in your favorite armchair and you relax what do you do when you relax in your favorite armchair do you try to focus on anything do you try to do anything at all you don't yeah when you relax in your favorite armchair after a long day at work what you do is that you just sit back and you allow everything to be here yeah you allow your mind to flow wherever it wants to go you don't force it in any way whatsoever and you just really allow things to be allow the whatever thoughts come through the mind whatever you hear whatever is there is fine why because you are tired yeah you don't really do anything just allow the world to flow by you know what i mean yeah when you are really tired yeah so you don't actually do anything and this is really a little bit what meditation is like yeah you just sit back in the same way there's nothing to be done yeah there's no kind of silence to be created there's nothing that you have to do rather what you have to do is allow the world just to be the way it is allow things to flow by and as you do that that is the very trick it allows the mind to become peaceful allows the energy to come back and allows eventually enables you to gain mindfulness and then the ability to watch the breath or whatever afterwards yeah so see if you can relax in that way yeah because then you are really relaxing in the right kind of way and if you fall asleep so be it it's okay yeah if you want to snore or something we will forgive you is that right is anyone everyone will forgive right everyone if you, and if you don't forgive then 
the problem is yours probably because <laughs> it's kind of nice when somebody falls asleep you think okay well good on them they can really relax now they can snore a little bit it's okay we can deal with that uh, so it's really about all about perception when you hear these kind of things uh, it's always interesting whenever you especially on at Damaloka center in perth we always give the talk at friday nights yeah friday, friday night is the worst day of the worst night of the week everyone is completely exhausted after a long week and usually someone at the back who kind of snores away yeah and then <laughs> it's kind of sweet so it's not really a it's not a problem at all actually so please feel free to to snore a little there's no pressure not to snore snoring is okay here yeah. Don't snore for the whole retreat, right? Just uh, occasionally, only occasionally here. So this is about learning how to relax. And to be able to relax the mind properly in this way, you have to learn, first of all, to relax the body. Yeah, Body and mind go together. And to be able to relax the body, make sure you are at ease, that you are comfortable. Yeah. I can see some people sitting over there leaning against the wall, which is quite nice. Yeah, chilling against the wall is nice. Sometimes it's nice to kind of sit back, especially in the beginning. Sometimes people, they read the Anapanasati Sutta, and it says there, Ujjukayang Panidaya, which means having established the body in a kind of upright posture, and they sit down and they sit like this. Okay, straight, yeah. But sometimes that's too quick. Sometimes you're not ready to have the body straight, yeah. So sometimes you relax, first of all, and then after you have relaxed for a while, the body kind of becomes straight almost automatically. Yeah. So Buddha in, in meditation practice is all about knowing to do the right thing at the right time. Uh, do the right thing at the wrong time, the right thing doesn't work. Yeah, yeah? Because the right thing is only right if it's done at the right time. Otherwise it's the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is important. Get things in the right sequence. Do things at the right time, then it's really going to work out for you. So enjoy. Yeah, we have all these uh, uh, seats at the back here. Please feel free to sit on those seats. Uh, it's not a competition about sitting on the floor. Who can sit the most hours? You know, on the on the floor or anything like that. Uh, really, it is about your spiritual progress. And if you try to compete with anyone or anything like that, uh, you're not going to make the progress you want to do. Uh, so just look at your own needs. Uh, don't worry about what anyone else does in this entire room. Uh, and uh, then you're going to make the most out of this, uh, this particular retreat. Uh. So this is the first thing. Yeah, nice posture. Just allow yourself really to relax. Uh, imagine yourself in that armchair not doing anything at all. Uh, and allow things to calm down all by themselves. Uh. So this is the first thing. Now this... Uh, uh, is also one of the other messages that messages you find in the suttas, uh, and that is the message you find in a sutta called, uh, which I call dependent liberation. One of the suttas I read out on every retreat, yeah, and it's also on this one here as well. Uh, so, <laughs> it's every retreat is the same suttas, right? Uh, so this is kind of what makes it so uh, so boring or interesting. Well, it depends on your perspective. I think it's interesting to do the same suttas all the time. Why? Because they tend to become deeper after a while. Uh, but what this sutta says, and I'm going to kind of like a preview of what comes towards the end of the retreat. Uh, what it says is that uh, the progress through meditation, uh, and this sutta is all about the first person experience of meditation, how meditation feels, uh, if it works in the right way. Uh, and what the Buddha says about this progress, uh, it happens, it does not happen through an act of will or an act of intention. Uh, he specifically says, na chetanaya karaniya. 
Yeah, I use quite a few partly terms uh, because that gives me more authority in a kind of situation like this. Yeah, I hope you're okay with that. People think, wow, all these partly terms, and they're really, really impressed. So that's the only reason. Otherwise, I would say it in English. Uh, so what, <laughs> what that actually means, it means this is not to be done by intention yeah, or by an act of will. Uh, it is dhammata. Dhammata means in accordance with nature. Uh, yeah? So meditation is a natural process. Uh, and if something is a natural process and you try to force a natural process to happen, it means that you're you are kind of trying to override nature and try to make it go faster, then usually you destroy the natural process. Yeah, Ajahn Brahm tells the kind of the, the story, tells the story of the kind of child, which kind of little child, they're four or five years old, and his mother wants to teach it how to how to grow a plant. So he gives this child a little seed, and the child puts the seed into the ground, waters it diligently, and after a few days, finally, the kind of little uh, little sprout of the seed starts to come out. Yeah, but then the plant is growing so so slowly, according to this child, it get, gets very impatient. So it decides to help the growing process a little bit, grabs hold of the seed and starts pulling yeah, the little sprout as it comes out of the ground. Grow faster! Yeah, I'm going to help you to grow faster. Actually, it's a bad idea, right? You can't really help a plant to grow faster by pulling on the sprout. Yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah. In the same way, if we pull on our meditation practice, it's going to slow down the progress rather than actually speeding it up. Yeah, it cannot be done by an act of willpower. It's a very, very powerful statement. It says a lot about what we actually can do and what we can't do as far as meditation is concerned. So again, what that means, it means that you need to stand back. You need to allow things to be. You need to allow the process to happen by itself. And then as you do that, this pro progress, this process just happens automatically, yeah, pretty much. Once you have the basic factors into uh, right, then the progress kind of does happen. So patience is always the fastest way in meditation practice. Just waiting, allowing things to be. But what is also very interesting about this particular sutta, yeah, is that if you, if everything is an automatic process, yeah, and this goes through like 10 or 11 steps starting at the very beginning and going all the way to becoming an arahant. Yeah, so if this meditation retreats go very well for you and you go all the way to the end, uh, there is uh, some chance, I wouldn't say it's a big chance, but there is some chance you might be an arahant at the very end. Uh, but don't kind of, don't aim for that because it might be, you might get distressed if it doesn't work out. So just... Uh, <laughs> So just don't, don't worry too much about that. But what, what is really interesting about this process, if it is a process, if one step really happens after the next one, what is interesting, of course, is the very first point. Yeah, if everything is automatic, where we start is actually extremely interesting here. And that starting point, as I kind of made, you know, it's, it's so, which is a point I make on every retreat, and it's something you ca cannot really overemphasize enough. That starting point for meditation is always... Sila. Yeah, sila is the starting point. Uh, that is the beginning of this whole process. Uh, because sila, which basically means uh, virtue, kindness, uh, yeah, these habitual patterns that we have, uh, that is the beginning of this whole thing. If you have dusila, dusila is bad conduct, yeah, then the whole thing gets destroyed. Uh, but if you have su sila, yeah, good, good conduct, uh, then you are on the right path. Uh, Susila, if you have su, su sila, 
even better, even faster. If you have su, 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 sila, even faster again. The more su's you have in front, the better it is. Duk, 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 duk. If your name is su, you have an advantage here. But uh, <laughs> duk, duk, duk. It carries on like that. Uh, and that is so important. Yeah? But once you understand that, you understand what you can do to actually help the process of meditation. Uh, the first thing you can do, and this is actually very obvious and a very, very important part of what uh, the spiritual life is about, uh, is of course to practice sila as much as you possibly can during your daily life, yeah? between the retreats, throughout the year, all the time. Uh, and remember that sila in Buddhism is very, very profound. Uh, yeah? it is, you can summarize it all in one single word, which is kindness. Uh, and once you practice that kindness in all aspects of your life, uh, yeah? even in your thinking mind, uh, you're going to go a long, long, long way in the practice. Uh, that is outside of the retreat. But what about on a retreat? How do we practice that sila on the retreat? And the way to do it on a retreat like this is to establish your mind in those wholesome states. Yeah, That is what we do. You establish your mind in a state of uh, uh, that is... Uh, more pure, where there is no defilements, uh, you get rid of any kind of negativity or ill will that might kind of reside there. I know you're all really good people, otherwise you wouldn't be here, but still, these kind of negative mind states come up, yeah? You get rid of kind of coarser aspects of desire, you make your mind peaceful, you build up some positive mental qualities uh, of kindness, uh, of compassion, uh, of, uh, you know, all of these kind of things. Uh, and that is how you establish the mind at the outset of meditation practice. Uh, not even necessarily at the outset. It can be during the process itself. Uh, and that is what we need to do. So when I say we don't need to do anything, uh, that is really the area we can focus on. Uh. So how do we do this again in a practical way that actually works? Uh? Well, the first thing to remember is that uh, when we do this, because we're not supposed to use too much willpower, uh, yeah, the, it is almost a bit like nudging the mind in the right direction. It's a very gentle movement of the mind yeah a very gentle it's like a slight nudge on the mind it's not a very effortful thing to establish the mind in the right way it's like bringing up a perception bringing up an idea an idea which is pure which is beautiful which has a, a degree of metta and compassion to it and as you do that the mind turns in the right direction and then mindfulness will arise as a consequence yeah and then the mind calms down and you are on the right track yeah and there's a number of ways of doing this in practice. Uh, but one of the ways I would really recommend you to do this while you are here uh, is to have a sense of uh, kindness, yeah, of uh, metta to all the people who are here with you uh, on this retreat. Uh, because it is very easy when we spend seven days together to kind of, you know, garnish others' nerves a little bit. Yeah, why are they doing that? Or they are being too noisy, they're coming at the wrong time and all of this. Uh, but I would really recommend you to let go of that. Uh, I know Lydia gave very precise instructions before about what to do, uh, but the, the reality is that some people are not going to follow those instructions. Why? Not because they are evil. Uh, yeah. If you think that they are evil, then I guarantee you, you will have no peace at all in a meditation practice. Uh, the reason why people don't do it is because they forget. Yeah, Because their conditioning and habits are so strong, they just can't help themselves in going in that direction. Yeah or whatever it is, but it's not really because they are evil. It is just that the nature of things often hinders them in doing these things. So remember that, yeah? The people who are here on this retreat, they are good people. Is there anyone here who's not a good person? 
I told you, everyone here is good, yeah? <laughs> this is a fail-safe, it always works every time. <laughs> so, but it's true though, yeah? Why would anyone come on a meditation retreat unless you had good intentions, unless you were actually, at the very least, inclining in the right direction here, yeah? I know certainly Ajahn Isaira and Norman really, really well. So, and I know he's a very good person. I know many of you really well as well after all these years. And I know that you are very good people. All of you are trying really hard to move in the right direction. Just the fact of trying yeah, is worthy of so much uh, respect and so much uh, um, you know, uh, seeing people in a good light because of that. Uh, and remember that the big picture is good. Uh, even if people make mistakes, uh, even if they make the same stupid mistake every day, please let it go. Uh, forgive, because the big picture is good. Uh, and when you remember that, you will have a smooth retreat. Uh, your mind will not be caught out going through the ups and downs all the time, uh, but it will have this kind of beautiful movement throughout the retreat uh, where you just have mindfulness, uh, yeah, and you will see the problems. Uh, but they will have no effect on your mind. They won't linger. They won't echo in your mind after uh, someone did a mistake, someone made, uh, did something they shouldn't be doing. Uh, and then it will be very smooth. This is one of the main things I would recommend you to do. And if you are able to have that sense of kindness and compassion for the people who are here, all the good people who are here, then this is the starting point in spreading that out and expanding it out eventually to all people in your life. Yeah, When you go back to work, when you go back to your family, yeah? often the people who are closest to us are the hardest to have compassion and metta towards. Why? Precisely because they are so close to us. Uh. But this is the beginning point of enabling us to do that. Uh. So it's a beautiful way of getting started with a sense of metta, compassion and care for the people in the world. Uh. So this is a beautiful way of thinking and to enable this mindfulness to come, uh, to give rise to that sila. This is the mental sila, yeah, the mental kindness inside. Uh, and that will uh, enable mindfulness, enable all these other things to happen uh, in your meditation practice. Uh. So this is one way of thinking. Uh, yeah, another way that I you can think to uh, build up these good qualities inside uh, is to have a sense of gratitude. Yeah, the fact that you can be here, the fact that there is such a thing as the BSV is the oldest Buddhist society is in Australia, isn't it? Buddhist BSV. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. Uh, what a wonderful thing it is that someone started this uh, BSV back in the 1950s or whenever it was. Uh, what a marvelous thing that is. It's still carrying on. Some people are working really, really hard. People like the president of this Buddha society working, you know, so much too much. I'm surprised I even see him here today because sometimes you expect people, you know, there's, there's so, so much work sometimes to be the president. You can't even come for the meditation retreats or whatever because it's too much work. It's wonderful to see people having that chance. And everyone else who has been, you know, Chinta and uh, Yasmin and whoever is responsible and Lydia responsible for this retreat, uh, what a wonderful thing it is that people actually do these things and prepare these things and make it possible for all of us to be here. So many people are required to make these things happen. And gratitude to the Buddha yeah, for starting this whole thing two and a half thousand years ago, for thinking about us. Do you think the Buddha thought about us? I think so, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice idea, isn't it, that the Buddha was thinking about us two and a half thousand years ago. And actually, there's more truth to that than you might think, yeah. Because the Buddha, the way he was teaching, yeah, he was teaching also for future generations. And if you read the way the Buddha teaches the suttas, it is very general, yeah. It is basically 
it doesn't really refer to any time and sometimes it refers to time and place but usually it is so general it kind of crosses the boundaries of na nationalities and nations and and temporal boundaries and all of these kind of things uh, and it can it's open it is a general teaching for humanity regardless of where we come from and regardless of where we are uh, and because of that the buddha was actually teaching of people just uh, thinking of people just like us uh, when he was teaching two and a half thousand years ago uh, and when you think that the Buddha might have been thinking about you, isn't that kind of cool? Yeah, or maybe maybe cool is the wrong word, but you know, it's it's kind of <laughs> it's it's nice, right? It's kind of really really something special if the Buddha was thinking of us. But of course, that's the whole point of a Buddha. He thinks of ordinary people. That's why he taught. This is the whole point of his teachings. So, have gratitude to the Buddha. Have gratitude to all the people who made this possible, to all the people who have been passing on the Buddhist teaching for two and a half thousand years. Uh, gratitude to yourself, yeah, for bringing yourself here. Well done, well done me, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, and then you have a kind of kindness towards yourself at the same time, yeah, to doing something worthwhile in your life, something which is different from the vast majority of people spend their life, uh, something that actually has the possibility of giving you some kind of deeper meaning and satisfaction that the, what the vast majority of people in the world get. Uh, what a wonderful thing that is to do. Uh, yeah, and so congratulations uh, for being here on this retreat. Uh, and uh, this is already a very good starting point to see you here today. Uh, when you think like this, uh, then you start to build up these positive qualities inside. Uh, and as you can see, it is all about how we think, uh, how we perceive, uh, yeah, how we uh, lean our mind in a certain direction uh, and if you lean that mind in the right direction instead of the wrong direction uh, then it becomes possible to uh, build up mindfulness uh, to build up all of these good qualities inside and then meditation becomes possible uh. but remember the sequence here uh, yeah the sequence here is absolutely fundamental uh. start off just by chilling yeah relaxing enjoying not doing anything in particular leaning against the wall lying down yeah as i often say people sometimes people actually lie down even on retreats a little bit difficult here perhaps uh, but if it is possible you are more than welcome to lie down as well uh, uh, relax first of all allow things allow the ordinary life to kind of fade into the background uh, and allow your mind to gain a bit of energy yeah gain these things uh, that you start to kind of feel a bit more peaceful than you ordinarily do uh, then, when you have a little bit of peace, then it is time to guide your mind very gently uh, towards something a little bit positive. Uh. If you see that your mind uh, is tired, there's a little bit of perhaps uh, me memories from the past that aren't all that wholesome or whatever, then you guide your mind in the right direction. Build up these good qualities inside. Build up that memory of something positive from the past. Uh, or gratitude or a sense of metta and compassion or whatever it is uh, and as you do that then your mind really starts to build up the mindfulness yeah and then things start to come together yeah. so you can see here yeah it's actually a very easy path yeah don't complicate things too much uh, we tend to make things too complicated and this is part of the problem of meditation practice it's actually really really simple uh, and the more simple you make it uh, the more likely you are to get it right uh, yeah what is a good meditation mind a good meditation mind is an empty mind where there's nothing happening at all that's a good meditation mind uh, things don't get much more simple than that uh, yeah nothing going on that's really what meditation is all about uh. I'll give you 
One more piece of advice before I uh, before we do some meditation together. I don't want to talk too much because uh, that's usually the problem with talking. You just talk and talk and talk, and then uh, you don't know when to stop. So I'm going to I'm going to talk too much more here. But one of the uh, last things of advice that I would like to give is uh, how to. Uh, how to learn to let go a little bit yeah because we very often we tend to hold on too much to the world uh, the reason why we think about things in meditation practice uh, is because we are interested in those things uh, those things matter to us uh, and i guarantee you that over this meditation retreat there will be times when you think about things that have nothing to do with meditation practice. There will be times when you think about your work. There will be times when you think about your family. There will be times when you think about what kind of enjoyment you would like to do. Yeah, eating something. I just read an essay by one of the and as one of the ladies that come to my retreat in Perth almost every year. She's a really really nice lady. Yeah, really wholesome and really wonderful. And she wrote this little essay saying oh, how she was thinking about food all the time during the retreat. Uh, yeah? <laughs> and it's nice to read that because it takes away a bit of the pressure for everyone else. Everyone has these kind of thoughts. So when one person kind of admits to that, everyone else can kind of sigh, you know, take, have a you know, bit of relief. Oh, it's not just me. Yeah? I'm not just the only bad person <laughs> on this retreat or whatever. Yeah? So this happens to everybody here, yeah? that we think about the world, the things, or we think about maybe climate change yeah? or the world politics. Maybe, I don't know if you're that kind of person. Some people think about these things. Uh, and if you don't think about any of those things, you think about really silly things. Uh, yeah, I remember there was some years ago, there was a fellow in, uh, on one of the retreats in Perth at the, our John Lago Retreat Center. And he said, after you know, nine days on retreat, he had thought about everything. There was nothing more to think about, uh, but his mind was desperate to think. Uh, and because his mind was desperate to think, uh, he had just that morning had put a shirt out on the drying line after washing his shirt. Uh, and then he was thinking his meditation, what would be the best way to hang this shirt on the drying line? Uh, yeah? <laughs> this way, that way, this way around. <laughs> because his mind was desperate to think about something. So think about these things. Uh, so how do we overcome this problem? And this is, I think, one of the uh, weaknesses of uh, you know, things like the mindfulness movement. Uh, the mindfulness movement is where you extract one of the principles of Buddhism, which is mindfulness. You extract it out and try to make it into a self-sufficient entity, yeah? apart from all the other seven factors of the Noble Eightfold Path. Uh, but when you do that, you lose a lot. Uh, and one of the most, most important things that you lose is things like right view and virtue. Right view and virtue are foundations for the entire spiritual path. And if you haven't got that, there is no way mindfulness is going to be really powerful. You will still have benefits. I'm not going to put down the mindfulness movement. It still has benefits, but the benefits are going to be far less than if you actually integrate all of these factors into your practice. So what happens is that very often in this mindfulness movement is that your priority is actually to become a better person in your ordinary life, yeah, to become more efficient at work, uh, to become you know whatever it is. Yeah, you know what these things are, are like very often. Uh, but if your idea is to use mindfulness to become more efficient at work, uh, to become a better parent, to become a better at uh, you know your sport or whatever it is. Uh, then because your priority is work, is sport, is being a parent, because that is your priority and mindfulness is secondary because it is a support for the other things, guess what? 
you're going to think about those things. Yeah, because we always think about those things that are our priorities in life. If your priority, on the other hand, is meditation practice, if that is at the top, then those other things tend to fade away. They're no longer so interesting because you know there's nothing really there that is to, you know, there's no, nothing to be found there, which actually is exciting. Yeah? So the idea here is to reprioritize things so that mindfulness or meditation or the spiritual path is what is at the top and everything else really is to support your spiritual life. And maybe you think that is kind of callous. How can I think about my family life yeah, or even my work life as just supporting my spiritual path? Isn't that very selfish? And of course the answer is no, it's not selfish at all. Because if you really use your ordinary life, your family life, your work life or whatever it is to support your spiritual path, well the way to do that is to be kind is to be caring, is to be gentle, is to have compassion, is to look after other people. Yeah, People you may not even know in ordinary life. You support them in a certain way. You do things that you never would do otherwise. So actually, it is actually better both for your spiritual life and also for your worldly life. When you put the spiritual path at the top, everything else tends to fall into place as a consequence. That is really what it is all about. But to be able to do that, you have to understand that the spiritual path should always be primary. Yeah, this is what really matters. Are you ever going to find real satisfaction in that worldly life? And the answer is no. That worldly life just keeps on carrying on and on and on. There will always be new problems. Yeah, and when you die, you're probably dying in the middle of solving a problem somewhere. And then you wake up in your next life and you continue solving problems again. Yeah, that's usually how it works. Yeah, this goes on and on like this. This is the problem with the worldly life. There is no final solution. There is no, it just keeps on going on. And this is why we keep on getting reborn. And this is why things just roll on and on in circles rather than actually in a, uh, in a particular direction. If you want to go in a particular direction... If you really want to reduce your suffering in a kind of consistent way and you want to gain more of the good qualities on the spiritual path, uh, more satisfaction, uh, more contentment, uh, more joy, uh, yeah, more happiness, whatever you want to call it, less suffering, uh, then uh, the spiritual path is the only answer. You're never going to find that in the world outside. Uh, and this is a very important part of right view. Uh, yeah, this may be part of right view, which very often isn't emphasized. Uh, very often we talk about right view as the idea of rebirth and kamma and these kind of things. But understanding where real happiness is to be found is actually a foundational aspect of right view. And once you get that, once you understand that, then you prioritize the spiritual path. Everything else falls in under the spiritual path. And then when you meditate, you stop thinking about the silly stuff. Why? Because you know it's not going to get you anywhere. Instead, you sit there, you just enjoy the peace and the quiet of the meditation practice, and that is how you then make the mind even more peaceful. Okay, so there you are. That is just a little bit of guidance for you on how to deal, how to think about meditation practice. Keep it as simple as you possibly can. And uh, you are welcome here to do any kind of meditation topic that you would like. Yeah, I'm not. There's no kind of enforcement, or you have to watch the breath, or you have to do metta, or you have to do death contemplation, or anything like that. Uh, but uh, so basically, it's up to you. Whatever you like to do. Uh, 
But remember, at least at the beginning of the retreat, just to relax, yeah, just to enjoy her. And uh, as you do that, hopefully your mind will gradually calm down and gradually you will get into this. Uh, but now let's try to do some meditation together. So uh, let's see if we can put this into practice. Okay, so uh, as always, just uh, start off by closing your eyes. Uh, and when you shut out the world in that way, you can feel your body so much better. Uh, so start off by just feeling your body uh, to make sure you are nice and comfortable and nice and at ease. Uh, and make any adjustments that you have, change your posture if you have to, uh, whatever it is. Uh, and then just begin very, very gently with yourself, just feeling that you are nice and relaxed.
And uh, please keep in mind that this is all about patience uh, and allowing things to happen in due course. Uh, this is not something that you can force in any way. Uh, so remember the image of coming back from work uh, and just sitting down and resting, uh, allowing the world to flow by, uh, not really trying to control anything at all. Uh, if you can get into that kind of mind state, uh, that kind of idea, just allowing the flow of things, uh, then things become very easy, very natural, uh, and gradually everything slows down. Uh.
just allow the world outside to fade away, uh, gradually disappear from your perception. Uh, and as you do so, it's as if you're coming alive, uh, coming alive to the present, uh, coming alive to the here and now. Uh, at the same time, you're sort of moving into your own private space, uh, this beautiful, peaceful and private space inside of us. Uh, you feel a much deeper sense of meaning than you ordinarily do. Uh, so notice that movement of the mind. Uh, notice how nice it is just to be peaceful uh, and just allowing the world to flow by. Uh.
as you carry on in this way make sure that you notice the beauty of that peace uh, the delight of the peace of the mind uh, and as you do so you start to understand the burden of activity and doing in the world uh, it is with peace that real happiness contentment is to be found uh, and not in all the activity of the world uh, and as you do so you start to incline uh, towards all those positive things uh, that we're trying to develop.
close to the end uh, and before we come to the end uh, I would recommend you just to reflect very briefly on the meditation so far uh, and the idea here is to try to understand this process uh, what is it that works uh, what is it that brings you towards peace and letting go and all of these wonderful qualities uh, try to understand how these things come about uh, to spend a few moments reflecting in this way here. Okay, very good. <laughs> so uh, let's um, end there, and uh, I suggest that we maybe do the Arahang Sammasam Buddha just to end the day. So I think it's always a nice way of just paying respect to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And if you want, would like to take the eight precepts, then please come up afterwards, and we'll give the eight precepts afterwards. So let's do the Arahang Sammasam Buddha together.